This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. They come into our lives and into circumstances, and we, we look at them and say, you're not invited. Your, your, your lifestyle, the way you are dressed, the way that you look is not up to standard. But Jesus doesn't do that. And God's church doesn't do that. I remember years ago, a family coming to our church, having visited another church in our city. And they arrived at this church, and they didn't look like everybody else that was at this church. And the person at the door literally said to them, saw them coming up the door and looked at them and said, sorry, sorry, I just want to, I don't think this is the right church. I think you should, there's another church a little bit further down. That's that, that church. You can go to that one. I think that's where you belong before they even entered into the room. And friends, that story shaped for me just my heart, my desire for us as a people, for God's church, that that we wouldn't be like that. Because Jesus invites the people others reject. Jesus invites the people others reject. Now, today's passage that we're going to look at is is found in Luke chapter 7. And, and it's a, quite an interesting account that happens where we see there's a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And I'm going to just give you a little background of the story, and then we'll get into the, to some of the passages. Hopefully, it'll be on the screen. Um, but you see, Jesus was walking the earth. He had been claiming that he's God, and he had come to be the Messiah. And most people would have expected that Jesus would have come for the religious leaders, the ones that really know him, obviously, I mean, they're obeying the scriptures, they're pure, the Pharisees of the day, that's, those are the people that were, you know, in the in crowd, and if anybody had to think who Jesus would have come, that would be the person or the people that Jesus would engage with, and we see how for these Pharisees, they would get together from time to time for these sorts of parties, which is one of these parties that Simon, the Pharisee, was throwing, putting on in his, in his house. Now, their houses were very different to ours, our houses today. They would have kind of the living area, but then there would be an, an, an outer room, which is where they would have the meal. And, and at this meal, um, you know, they would discuss all sorts of theology and cultural issues and what's happening in the day and, and how should we address. You know, it feels like people are drifting away. What are some of the things that we should, should do? You know, there's, there's some unrest happening. What can we do as the church, as, as the people of God to to address these issues, these ills. But what, what happened is, friends, you must see the picture. These Pharisees, these religious people, these special people would gather in this outer room, but then on the outside of the, the room, there would be a porch where the common people, the people that weren't educated, that weren't Pharisees, that weren't Levites by birth, that, that weren't allowed to come into it, and, and were obviously not able to contribute to the conversation, they could at least enter into and sit on the porch and listen. Because in those days, they weren't, you know, we didn't have, they didn't have Instagram and social media and Netflix. And there wasn't all sorts of forms of entertainment that you and I could enjoy today. So their form of entertainment and their, their form of being educated and informed of what was happening is that they would sneak in onto the porch and at least they could listen. And it's during one of these parties that a very interesting thing happens. A very, uh, it's, it's actually profound thing that happens. We see in the midst of this, 
great gathering of the who's who of the town, a woman of ill repute breaks into the meeting, makes her way past the, the outer porch into the meeting, and finds her way to Jesus' feet. And many of you know the story. She begins to weep and, and confess her sins and, and, and pour out this perfume and wiping it with her hair and just an extravagant sense of worship. But for these Pharisees, they were looking at this woman and saying, I can't believe it. Who let her in? Where are the bouncers at the door? Who, who let her in? Doesn't, doesn't, someone must stop her. But she had already made her way to Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, a woman that was in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And so she begins to break this out. She was a, she had had a very bad past. And many of us, I don't know what past you've had. I don't know what things you've experienced. But many of us, some of the things we find ourselves in are, are often not because of our own choice. And I'm sure for this young lady who broke into this meeting, I'm sure that she at no point chose a life of prostitution. I'm sure she wasn't a young girl with her friends saying, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I just want to be a prostitute. I just love to be on the street. You know, I've listened to many interviews and interacted with many people that find themselves in this lifestyle. And majority of them do not, they'll tell you, it was not something I chose. It's something that happened to me. It's something that I was forced into this place. These Pharisees were saying, you're not invited. But this lady found herself. And so, sometimes we can look at people and we could say to them, you're not invited because, you know, you don't say the right words and you don't wear the right clothing and you, you don't pray the right prayers. Friends, can we as a church not be like that? Can we be a people that invites others into God's family? You see, friends, as she came in, this is something I'm sure she didn't choose, but she chose to enter in, to break in, to do something that is extraordinary. In one action, she did both expressed a deep sense of repentance, saying, I want to leave my life, old life behind, and an extravagant expression of worship. Because friends, for her, as she brings that alabaster jar and pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, for, for people of that, those days, for her who... She may have fallen into this lifestyle because perhaps her, her, her father was abusive and, and she got confused and felt like that's the only way and eventually found herself into this space. Or maybe her parents died and she ended up being a, 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 you know, a, a child-headed home. She had, to, she had to raise her brother and sister and had to find a way to do that. And in one moment, her whole destiny changes because she chooses to leave her old life behind, to break through into where Jesus is and to pour it on him. It says the following. It says in verse 38 of chapter 7, it says, As she stood behind him, 
at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. If I, if I can unpack a little bit of this aspect here of this scripture for us. The first thing is, friends, she came to Jesus' feet. She humbled herself. She realized that she was already nothing. Maybe you sitting here today, you're like, well, I don't feel like much. But can I say to you, there is room for you at the feet of Jesus. There's room for you and I to come. And even as we're fasting together, that's the moment where we're saying, Lord, I'm coming at your feet because I I need you. There's nothing and no one is going to transfer me from my current life but you. And I want to submit myself to you. It also says that she was crying and weeping, obviously showing great sense of repentance. Friends, you and I cannot worship God effectively without repentance. And perhaps you're coming into this year and you're feeling like, yo, I, I, I want to make things right. Can I ask you, you know what repentance means? It means turning around, saying I'm not going in this direction, but I'm walking out the other way. And I want to remind you, as I've many, reminded many of you before, That when you turn around, it's not that God says, okay, now you've got to work through all of your junk that you've caused, and then then only will you get to me. No, as you turn, God is right here with you. He receives you and I in that moment, just like Jesus receives this woman. And then it says, she wiped it with her hair, friends. For a Jewish woman in that time, you know, most of us, if I look around the room here, the hairstyle's nice and loose and up and, you know, we've got all sorts of styles that we, we go with. In those days, a woman, her hair was a sign of her honor. And she chooses in that moment, as she's overwhelmed with emotion, wiping Jesus' feet, realizing, oh, I don't have anything. Let me, let me loosen my hair. Let me humble myself even further, friends. Friends, this woman chose to submit herself. But then she poured perfume on Jesus' feet. This perfume, as many of you would know, Costs more than a year's wages. If you think of your salary or however money, the grants you get, whatever, if you add it all together, 12 months, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of resource. And for this woman, as, a, as someone that was working in the streets as her means of income, it, it was two things that she was giving up, that she was bringing to Jesus. The first one is saying, my means of income, my means of identity, my means of, of being able to have a standing in this world, I'm laying that down. My nest egg, my investment, the things that I've been holding on to, I'm submitting that. I'm bringing that to the feet of Jesus. Nothing is too much for him to ask. But for her, it was also a means through which she did her business. It was like a business card. Women in that day didn't have perfume. If you could afford it, most of the time, it was either royalty that had it or someone that was propositioning themselves. Because as men would pass by, they'd, oh, wow, she must be available. She must be at work today. And friends, she's saying, I'm turning my back on my old life, and I'm worshiping God extravagantly. Can I ask you this year, as we start, turn your back on your old life and worship God extravagantly, because it's going to require something of all of us. God wants you and I to experience that. Now, for those who are watching all of this going down, those Pharisees, those high and mighty, self-righteous men, people who were doing everything that was right for all of them, 
They looked and they were like in disgust and dismay. And sometimes we can be like that, friends. Those of us that have been following Jesus, we've been in church. Oh, that person, look at how they worship. Look at how they dressed. Look at how they act. Oh, look down at them. I can't go to this church. You know, it's too wild or it's too whatever. People are too happy. People are too sad. I don't know. We have all sorts of excuses why we are not wanting to enter into or come to know. And there's a moment in this story where Simon, who, because obviously they've invited Jesus to find out, is, is he really the Son of God? Is he really who he proclaims he is? And they want to ask him some questions. And Simon says the following. He, he thinks this in his head. He says, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself in his mind, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon is doubting whether or not Jesus is the King, the Lord, the God that's come in the flesh. And Jesus responds, he doesn't, he doesn't come after, you know, Simon and it's like, ah, oh, you know, let me, let me take you out. No, he, he just simply says the following. Then he, Jesus, turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, many, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I want you and I to see this. First of all, that Jesus is God. He knows the inner thoughts of our hearts. And you, he doesn't want any of us to to at any point think that God doesn't see what's going down in our hearts. And he's showing these Pharisees that he not only can see what's in the heart of those who are self-righteous and judgmental, but he also sees the worship, the simplicity, the, the willingness of a broken heart and a contrite heart. We're just saying, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. God sees your heart and he knows what you're going through. And he's also willing to come up for you, even if you feel like nobody's there to have your back. Nobody's there to, to come up for me. But today, I am trusting that you'd heed Jesus' invitation, that you'd come into God's family, and that you would also in, extend the invitation to others to experience that. Friends, this is an important question I have to ask as I'm looking at this. What made this woman break through this crowd? You know, it sort of interrupts this party. What, what compelled her, besides the fact that, that she maybe felt convicted, what brought her into this meeting? How did she even know that Jesus was going to be there? I think if we look at a parallel passage, it's found in Matthew of this particular passage, we see that in the beginning of, of, of chapter 7, or just before that in chapter 6, it speaks about John the Baptist's disciples coming to Jesus and saying, 
asking him, so are you really the son of God? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus turns uh, to them, and this is what we see in Matthew 11. He says, this is Jesus' invitation. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I'm thinking this woman, the reason why she would, would break through all of these barriers that would keep her from coming into God's presence, I think she was somewhere in the crowd, had heard Jesus speak, seen him perform miracles, and in that process was convicted in her heart and then heard the invitation. Remember, friends, you and I are invited. Jesus' invitation says, come to me. Today, if you are struggling in, in your marriage, Jesus is saying, come to me. If you are struggling in your raising your children, he's saying, come to me. If you are struggling in managing your finances and setting things inside, Jesus says, come to me. If you are disconnected from what Jesus is doing, if you're disconnected from the family of God, Jesus is saying, come to me. And he's not saying, you know, come to me if you feel on top of the world. Some of us experience that, I'm sure. But all of us, I think, if we had to really look at things in our lives and, and do some introspection, there are some things that we've got to work on. That's why we have New Year's resolutions. In the midst of that, Jesus is saying, come to me, those of you that are burdened. Perhaps you're saying, well, I can't come, but Jesus say, come to me, even if you have experienced divorce. Come to me if you've experienced bankruptcy. Come to me if you're going through a difficulty in your health. Come to me no matter what you have experienced. Jesus' invitation is open to all. But Jesus' invitation is not just for those who are perfect. As a church, you know, there's the old saying, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. All of us are imperfect, but God wants us to be a people who are inviting others into his kingdom. Jesus didn't come for the healthy and the righteous. He came for the sick and the sinners. And all of us, if we had to do some real you know, introspection, we find ourselves that we have all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need Jesus in our lives. And I want to ask you, and I want to implore you, and I want to remind you that Jesus invites those that others reject. In this coming year, who are you inviting? I love this story. Another story that Jesus tells in, in Matthew uh, chapter, or Luke chapter 14, he speaks about a wedding banquet, a party that's being held, a party that's being thrown. And the master of the feast says to these servants, I'm sending you out. These are the people that I have invited. And these servants go out into the city and they call out all of these people. And every one of them, one after the other, says, oh, no, sorry, sorry, I can't make it because I'm busy, you know. I've just gotten married. Young, newly married couples, some of you have, are, are experiencing something of the urge of, we've just got to be just the two of us. Just got to, you know, we, we're busy. We'll get on with God's work later, but at the moment, it's just the two of us. We're working on some things. Don't do that. Some of you are saying, well, I've just started a business, and it's going to be busy, and I've got new suppliers, and I've got a whole lot of things. I'm too busy to get involved in the church. I'm too busy to be a part of what God's doing in the kingdom. When things have settled a bit, you know, in March, February, April, October, I'll have some time. 
No, friends. All of them, one after the other, has an excuse. You know, the school's activities. Saturday night, we're going to be driving from Meringz, wherever, the kids' athletics, and then I'm going to be tired. I can't make it to church on Sunday. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. He's sending out the invitation because what happens, friends, what you and I need to realize is that God's invitation to His family is open to all, and every one of us that heeds the invitation can experience and encounter the blessing. And if you want to see God unfold all these promises and purposes for you, this, is, this series is really about our identity and who we are as a church. God wants you and I to, if you want to experience that this year, at the start of this year, can you put away your, your excuses? Because it says, when those servants come back and they say, well, these guys are too busy, They've got things to do. They can't come to the, the banquet, the wedding feast. The master says, well, then send them out. Go and find the cripple, the lame, the downcast. I want to ask you, you know some people that at the moment in their hearts and in their minds, they believe that they're not worthy of coming into this church. They're not invited. Perhaps they've had that experience. Arriving at a church and someone says to them, sorry, sorry, no, this is the right place. Go that way, this down the road. You're not dressed right. You don't look right. For us, friends, God wants you and I to bring in the broken, the hurting. You've got a colleague at work at the moment. You've got a family member. Who are you inviting into God's purpose, into his family I want to ask you and I that we would compel them to come. Because that's what the scripture says. It says, go out and compel. You know what it means to compel? If, I, if this video wasn't here, it means going out there and grabbing somebody by the hand and pulling them in. Pulling them into God's purpose. What are some of the ways that you and I can pull them in? We can start off by praying for them. Have you got a list of people you're praying for this year? We're going to take a moment to pray for them together. You can extend that invitation. Say, hey, we've got this new series. You know, we're talking about being influential. You want to increase your influence, come to church. You and I have the ability and the opportunity to see hearts and lives transformed by being intentional with our invitation. Don't miss out on those opportunities. The petrol attendant, the person that, that you come into contact with, that hairdresser that you go, you know, when you're at hairdressers, when I go to my barber, it's a long period of time that they're busy with. You can talk to them about a lot of things. Let's not miss out on any of the opportunities we have. Let's compel them because there's room for God uh, in God's family for more of His people. His children are being invited. And you and I have the privilege of experiencing that. I want to pray for us if I can. Let me pray together. The first person, just for all of us, the first person I want to speak to, if you have a friend at the moment, just as every eye is closed and head's bowed, if you have someone in your life right now that you know is far off from God, why don't you just raise your hand? Just a family member, a friend, just raise your hand quickly. I would love for us to pray for this, these people. I love these hands going up. Some of you, I'm sure more, many of, more of you know most people that are far from God. Can we pray for those people right now? Lord Jesus, you, you see these hands. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, that you see these hands, you know these names, Lord. And I pray, Father, for every one of these people by name. 
Lord, you know them. And I pray, Father, that you would, that, that each of us, as we pray for them, Lord, that they would encounter you, that they would know you, that they would enjoy you and come into your family, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to invite them into this banquet, this feast, this party that you're throwing, that we wouldn't reject them in any way, Lord, and that we would help them to overcome something of those barriers and obstacles that they might be, because we know that we are invited and we're inviting others. You can drop your hands. Then I want to ask you, those of you that today, you're feeling far from God, and you've come because you've had a, a real, just a sense that you've got to make your life right with God. And this morning, I'm extending Jesus' invitation that, that says, come, come to me. There's room for you with me. Can I ask you to raise your hand if that's you today? I'd love to pray for you. I love these hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these hands that are going up. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for these hands, these precious people. Church, can we stand together with these people? Let's, let's encourage them with this decision that they've made together. Thank you, Lord. Well done, friends. Just there where you are standing. Can we all pray this prayer together? Heavenly Father, forgive all of my sins. Change my heart, Lord, and accept me now. Jesus, make me new. And fill me with your spirit that I may know you, Lord. And walk with you, Lord. And serve you, Lord. And compel others to do the same, Lord. My life is not my own, Lord. I give it all to you. Thank you for a new life because of Jesus. Now you have mine, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.